Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius. We are going through the book of Peter. First epistle of Peter. We are now in chapter 2. And I pray that the Lord will give you understanding as we study this word together. Open your Bible to First Peter chapter 2. And I will read through it and then pause to give some explanation or refer to some other Bible verses that will give us more understanding. In this chapter 2, we will be talking more on expectation for we to submit to the authority of the of the elders or the rulers verse chapter one chapter two verse one wherefore this is to the believers laying aside all malice what is malice as in like a vendetta he did me evil i'm going to do him back evil that's malice lay it aside and all guile that's deception anything that is deceptive lay it aside and all hypocrisies that trying to show for that you are some something that you are not as hypocrisy and all envies and all evil speakings these are all the act is just pointing out some things that are characteristics of human human beings so lay all those things aside as newborn babes now that we are born again we are like little babies that need the milk of the world that need to be taught new things desire the sincere milk of the world that ye may grow thereby. So lay aside all the lifestyle you used to do and desire to be taught the word of God. But still say, if so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. So ye also, we believers, as lifeless stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Now think of believers. We, the believers, say the body of Christ are the believers. Anyone that is born again, you are part of the body of Christ. What God is doing is building himself a temple. Not a temple made of um, bricks of stones like they have in Jerusalem or any church people call it a temple. No. God is building himself a temple of human beings, made of human beings. And that's why it's symbolizing we believers as stones for that temple. Every individual believer, when you are born again, you are a precious stone being put into that temple of God and you have to take your place in the temple of God. So the Holy Spirit is going to fill every believer. Holy Spirit of God is filling every believer from Christ the head to the feet, which is at the end of the world. Every believer will fit into that part of the body of Christ, is the body of uh, is this temple of God that God is inhabiting. God inhabiting you, God inhabiting me, God inhabiting every believer. And from the head, which is Christ, it flows down to every believer, and this, this, the Holy Spirit of God. And that is the temple God is building for Himself. And He actually prophesied it to David that your seed shall build me a temple. And then David thought he was talking about Solomon will build him a temple. And yeah, they did that physically. But that was not what God was referring to. God was referring to Christ is the seed of David that will build a temple of God, a temple for God, a temple of made of human beings. And God inhabiting us because God is a spirit as we feel all the members of this of this body of Christ and is filling us. Okay, that's what Apostle Peter is alluded to in verse. In this uh, his letter, chapter 2, that I said, we are lively stones, verse 5. We are built up a spiritual house, a spiritual house, holy priesthood, 
We are to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, we are offering these sacrifices. As we praise Him, we are praising Christ, we are praising God, and God is accepting that. Because it's only through the blood of Jesus Christ that we are made partakers of this temple. We are talking about the temple of God. Verse 6. Wherefore, also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. He that believeth on him shall not be confounded. And the chief cornerstone is the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 7. Unto you therefore which believe is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed is become the head of the column. The same is made the head of the column. That is, if those Jews that refuse to accept Christ, they say they, they are rejecting the most important thing, the chief cornerstone. So the one they disallow is the one that is the head of the column. Verse 8, and it's a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. That's the, the Lord Jesus Christ coming to the Jews. He became a stone of stumbling for those who don't want to accept him because they wanted to follow their own ways. It's a rock of offense for them. Even to them, we stumble at the world, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Verse 9. Now, for talking to we believers, but ye as we believers are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him. Who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, when he say we are a holy nation, he's not talking of a particular country. He's talking of the whole body of believers everywhere, from every generation. We are a nation to ourselves. Whether you are from China or from Japan or from Russia or from Africa or from Europe or from Americas or from Australia, all the believers in Christ that have the same mind that have been born again, we are all following the Lord Jesus Christ is the head. We are a nation to ourselves, and that is the kingdom of God that is that nation. That kingdom of God that is coming is that nation. From every tribe, from every language, he is calling us, and we are a nation to ourselves. And that's why it's called we are a holy nation, a peculiar people which have the same mindset, wanting to please God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are to show forth the praises of him, who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous life. Verse 10. Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. Which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. The mercy of God. We have obtained the mercy of God. Verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. He's pleading with us now. You are a stranger and pilgrim. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. So he's saying many things that is warring against our soul is lusts of the flesh. Lusts that I want to do, I want to grab this and I want to gain this thing. All these desires of the flesh are carnal things that want to please the physical world. See, so those things are warring against our soul that want to please God. See, but you have to resist those things. Abstain from all those evil things. Verse 12 says, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. Our conversation is not just what we say, it's also how we act. Our, our words and our deeds, having honest among the Gentiles. That whereas they speak against you as evil doers, those who don't believe may think, these Christians are this, these Christians are that, these born again believers are this. They say they may be accusing, but make sure they are not accusing you of something you did wrong. 
but they are lying. That's what he's saying. Whereas they speak against you as evil doers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. The same thing is what our Lord Jesus Christ said. He said that, let your light so shine before men. Let your light so shine before men, so that they will see your good works and glorify your Father God, which is never. And that's what Apostle Peter is all seconding here. So that by your good works, they will glorify God in the day of visitation. There will be a day of visitation when God is going to be praised in, among his, in, in, the, in the midst of his saints, in the midst of the believers. When he is rewarding those who are following him and uh, judging those who didn't follow him, that is the day of their visitation. They will be saying, God, you are righteous. You can look at this in the book of Revelation. When God was, when the wrath of God was being poured upon the earth, even the angels of the waters, they said an angel of the water was crying out and saying, Thou art righteous, O God, for judging men thus. For they have shed the blood of innocent, they have shed the blood of prophets and saints, and they are, all, they are also being given blood to drink. So thou art righteous. So the whole world will be glorifying God when God is judging. They will be glorifying God when God is judging. The unbelievers may be running away the and they will be cursing, but the planet will be glorifying God when God is judging the wicked. Verse 13. Apostle Peter continued his exhortation. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Now that is an exhortation to every believer. He said we have to submit to the ordinance of man is the laws of the land, the, the, the rules and regulations uh, that is trying to keep peace among human beings on earth. Which look like uh, the government does it. The government is this, the government is that. But if they are, all those laws are to make peace, to keep people trading one, one, one another in peace, in honesty, submit to it. That's what Apostle Peter exhortation is, because that's how we show that we are holy people. That's how we show that we are law-abiding people. As long as the law of the land is not contrary to the law of God. We have to put that in there. And that's what he says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. What do you say for the Lord's sake? Because what, when we are doing those things that are right, that the law of the land says we should also do to show that we are law-abiding, we are actually serving the Lord God Almighty. Because God put all those people, all those rulers there to keep peace on earth until the end. Because without those peace on earth, the whole world will be in chaos. So God allowed those rulers of the world, even though the devil is still using those rulers of the world to do many of the bad things, but as long as they are still making us to make peace on that, we have to submit to those things. For the Lord's sake, God, we are serving the Lord. That's what he said, for the Lord's sake. Whether it be to the king, a king or not, as supreme, or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him, by God, for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. So that's the job of the kings or not, and the jobs of the governors, is to punish the evildoers, and to reward those that are doing well. So that others will do well. That's the job of the governors and the kings on earth. So that is Apostle Paul is exhorting believers to submit to all those ordinances. They tell you to pay tax because they need the money to do the roads, to make bridges. Otherwise, the whole world will be in chaos. If there's no road, we'll still be in the dark ages because they make all these freeways by the money they got from the taxes. So pay your own tax. You see? Submit to all these ordinances of man for God's sake. Because God put all these things there temporarily to keep peace on earth. Verse 15 says, For so is the will of God, 
that with well doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. That whilst you do well, all those people that are trying to accuse believers, they will be silent when they see that these people are doing some good things. See, so you put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Verse 60 says, As free, so we are free people, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. We are free, we are not slaves to the king, we are not slaves to the governor. We are free citizens, but we are serving the Lord God with all that we do. Think of the story of Daniel the prophet. He was like a slave in Babylon when they were captured, when they were taken to Babylon. Even though he was slave in Babylon, but he was living as a free person because everything he was doing for the king that was looked like that was their job. He was not serving the king, he was serving the Lord God Almighty. Do all things as unto the Lord, is what the Bible says. As you do those things as unto the Lord, God is going to be rewarding you with promotion. That's why he said we are free people, not using our liberty as cloak of maliciousness, but as servants of God. We are serving God in every, every aspect of our life. We are serving God. Verse 17, honor all men. Love the brotherhood as the brotherhood of believers. Love it. That's why we fellowship one with another. Iron sharpens iron. People of like-minded in the fellowship of Christians, they sharpen one another by exhortation, not to usurp authority, not to extorting money from people. If that is what some pastors are doing, they are wrong. We are to exhort one another, building one another up, preparing for the Lord's coming. So that everything we are teaching is to build you up, to make you to be perfect, better believers, better citizens of heaven, better citizens of heaven. Because we are not just citizens of this country or that country, we are actually citizens of heaven. Our kingdom is coming. So exhorting one another is the purpose of gathering together in the churches, in the Google Fellowship. Verse 17 says, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. That's the king of the earth. Honor them. Some people like to talk evil about the ruler because they think the ruler is doing something bad. But just pray for them. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth as believers. Don't lambast people with your mouth. Yeah, they are doing this thing bad, but just pray for them. It's better to pray for them than to be cursing or to be using your mouth to speak evil. Because the Bible says, speak evil of no man. Because our mouth is to be kept for God. Because whatever we say out of our mouth is supposed to be authority. So that's why we don't want to be saying some things that God cannot make it happen. God will not want to make this one happen. So that's why you have to make sure you are not saying some bad words after your mouth. We should practice that. Practice to keep your mouth shut and just be praying for those that are rulers in the authority. When you want to vote for the right person, yeah, you can vote, but don't use your mouth to, to speak evil of them. Just be praying for them. Somebody may say before you that are not believers, oh, you don't see what that man did? Is that, is this, is that, is it? Just say, well, let's pray for him. Let's pray for her. Oh, yeah, embezzle the money. Well, we pray for him. Pray for her. I don't want to participate in talking evil. That's what he's saying we should practice. So that our mouth, when we open our mouth and speak, it must be oracle of God. Oracle of God. That is, if I say something, it should happen. So I don't want to say bad things that God himself is not well pleased. Because God said, God is washing my mouth also. Okay, verse 18 said, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. Now he's talking about individual peace right now. He's going to address the servants. Servants in their own generation is like slaves. They are bought by some masters 
and they are working for those masters, then you can uh, extrapolate that vast servants to include employees. You know, you are an employee of a of a company, you are working for that company, you are a servant to that mass manager. You are not a slave because you are being paid to do the work you are doing. Not so. That's what you call employees in this our generation. But in their generation, there are employees and there are servants that are actually slaves. That they were not really paid, they were just working. All they got out of that working is a roof over their head and food from the master and clothes and they are slaves. And those were the ones he mostly was referring to when he says servants in this Bible verse, because they use the word servants when they could have been slaves. But the hired servants are also called servants. Hired means they are not like slaves. They come to do a job and then they get the salary and go home. See, those are hired servants. But they are called, and those are like employees in our generation, employees, whether of government, of a corporation, or you are your employed by your by a single person, you are working in their house. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it, if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well, and suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. So this is his uh, exhortation for we believers. That whether you are a servant, a slave, or an employee serving somebody, do it as unto the Lord. And do it faithfully. He said, if you are being punished for doing something that is bad, well, you, you are going to take it patiently. No, sir. Because you did the job wrongly, the man got upset and and whack you or fire you and you are now come that is you are going to take it patiently you don't go and do something evil about that also but if you do something good and that is why you are being persecuted or punished say god is going to be rewarding you for that so that's he's giving you two different faces of punishment if somebody is punishing you for what you do it's actually right but they are punishing you wrongly so god will be will be patiently will be rewarding you for that but if they punish you for what you did wrong, you have no reward from God. You are just serving your own punishment. Verse 21. For even here unto were ye called, that is, we are called to serve God patiently. And if we are punished for doing good, he says, that's good. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps. That's, did not just Christ suffered for us. He didn't do anything wrong, but he was punished. But he was punished and killed for us, for our sake. Because God was using that to save our soul by the shedding of his blood. So we should take that as an example. That if we suffer for righteous sake, we should be praising God because there's a reward for that. In talking about Christ in verse 22, he said, God, he said, Christ did no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, when he was spoken against, reviled not again. They call him, tell us. They slap him, they blindfolded him, and slap and say, who slapped you? Now, prophesy. That's reviled. That's like it, speaking evil about, against him. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judged righteously. So Christ kept his mouth quiet, cool, and they kept his cool. They did all those things. They spit upon him. Before he went to the cross, they even flogged him for, for by his right we were healed, and he kept his patience. And he has the power to, to, to destroy them if he wants to. 
that he didn't use that power. And that is what is Apostle Peter used as an example here, that he suffered for, so that we can know that we may suffer for righteousness' sake, we should be rejoicing, just like our Christ did. Verse 24 says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose right ye were healed. Now, that verse 24 is very important. Many of us have used those Bible verses to confess it and use it for our healing. Because Apostle Peter here, in verse 24, was quoting what Isaiah the prophet already prophesied was coming. Was coming. In the book of Isaiah chapter 53, Apostle Peter was referring to this prophecy of Isaiah about the Messiah that he, he bore our sins upon his, upon his own body on the tree. And that we, by that, we are to live above sin. Let's read it again in Isaiah chapter 53. And from verse 1, I will read, verse 4 and 5 is where he actually was quoting. But he, in Isaiah chapter 53, from verse 1 to verse um, 8, I will read it to you so that you can see that um, this prophecy of Isaiah prophesied about the Messiah looking ahead. He was looking ahead of what was coming to happen. What was, and then Apostle Peter was looking out behind because it already happened by the time Apostle Peter, when he was writing this episode, it has already happened. Christ has already done it. But Apostle Isaiah, the prophet, was prophesying about it, looking ahead. And from verse 1, he said, Who has believed our report? He was still reporting what's coming to happen in the, in the generation. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And he's going to describe this arm of the Lord. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. Who is this? He shall grow up before him, the Messiah. Shall grow up before God as a tender plant. And as a root out of the dry ground, he has no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. That he came like a humble person. Elijah came on. Do you think of God, my Almighty God, want to come to this world? If a human being is going to think, say, well, if you come, the biggest person, the strongest person, so that everybody know that he is greater than everybody. No, he came as an ordinary person. In fact, up to now, he manifested himself to people. When he manifested himself to me, I saw the Lord Jesus Christ when he visited me in my own house. It was about five feet eleven inches. I mean, perfect. You can see, perfectly six feet tall. Perfectly six feet tall. Oh, wow! If he's God, he should have been like ten feet tall, bigger than everybody or not. No, God is humble. You see? He just came like another person. What about his, is he heavy? No. It was about 170 pounds. Just a natural, slim, young man. That was how he manifested power to them. You mean somebody that is 170 pounds can fast 40 days? Oh, yes. I fasted 20 something days when I was just 130 pounds in, uh, in Africa. In Africa. 130 pounds. Well, by the time I fasted 20 something days, I was like a skeleton also. How much more when you fast 40 days, you'll be like a skeleton. That's why he said, when we behold him, we, 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 there was no beauty that we should desire him. He was talking about when he fasted, you'll be skinny. Your bones, your cheek bones will be out. And then he started preaching right there. He started preaching. They were surprised that, wow, where did this guy come from? Apostle Isaiah the Prophet was seeing this ahead of time. When he wrote Isaiah chapter 53, he said, He has no form nor comeliness. 
What does that mean? People thought he was so ugly. No, it was the fasting that made, because he didn't show himself to the world until he has fasted 40, 40 days. You go and fast 40 days and then start preaching right there. No matter how, how heavy you are, when you fast 40 days, you look like a skeleton. I said, well, this man was 350 pounds and he went and fasted 40 days. Well, let him fast 40 days and let's see how he will look when he, after, after he started from as a 350 pound man. Because the body begin to heat the flesh. Your body after some 20 something days, all your muscles that look like heavy on you, the fat will have been gone. The body begins to consume itself, consume its fat until you almost come to be skeleton. How much more if you start at when you are just 170 pounds or 140 pounds? You see? you'll be almost like coming, becoming nothing left other than skin and bones. And that was how he finished fasting and started preaching. He said, like, he said well, that's how Apostle Peter I said, the said, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. But still he said, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him, you see. People, when they see a, a miracle worker, they wanted to go closer, they saw he's so ugly looking, skinny bone, they want to hide themselves, that's what he was saying. So we hid, as it were, our face from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. And he's talking about this punishment at the end. He said it's crucifixion. Now verse 5 is where he was saying, why did he have to go through this? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. That verse 5 is what Peter was referring to when he said in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24 that who is who his own self, that Christ himself, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose right ye were healed. And that was what Isaiah the prophet was talking about. In verse 6 of Isaiah, he said, all, of Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6 again, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The what? God put the iniquity of all human race upon the Messiah. Verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. See, He was prophesying. He was talking. He was seeing the Messiah being judged by a Pontius Pilate. And he didn't open his mouth. He didn't say anything. And then he said he did it for us. Verse 8, he was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. For the transgression of my In verse 11, he said, For he shall bear their iniquities. So that was what Isaiah was prophesying. And First Peter chapter 2 was referring to it that he bear our sins in his own body. He bear our iniquities, not just the sins of the Jews, all the human race. God put the sins of human race upon him. And by his right, we were all healed. You have to believe it and confess it, and your body will be well by just confessing the Bible verses, believing it. That you mean Jesus can really take all, took in all my sicknesses and diseases away by his death on the cross? Yes, believe it, and it's so for you. And that is exactly what Apostle 
Peter is alluding to him. For verse 25, says, I'm now back in first Peter chapter 2, verse 25, the last verse. Say, For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. The Lord Jesus Christ is the shepherd and the bishop of our souls. And we were all gone astray. And God has put upon him the iniquity of us all. And then we are now to come back to him and receive the grace of salvation. And we that have received the grace of salvation, remember it. You can confess this Bible verse for healing of your body. He has healed us by his stripes. We were healed. And we continue this in the next broadcast. God bless you.